right in front of him. Crowd are looking, throws it alley. Oh! Welcome in to the Just Basketball Show for April 3rd. I'm Chris Manning. That is Brendan Clean. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform of choice if you have not already. Five-star reviews only. Make sure you subscribe and hit the notification bell on the YouTube channel. Follow us at Just People Fans on TikTok, at Just Basketball Show on Instagram. We're on Twitter and Facebook as well. Maybe Mastodon one day if Twitter continues on the path that it is on. Brennan, our big thing today is going to be key storylines for the last week of the NBA season. But we're here already. We're here. We're recording this. We should note before the women's fin- final on Sunday, uh, which I'm sure we'll talk about on Tuesday, the, the results yeah, of that gonna, game. If, if, we had, if we had recorded this after that game, that would have been the entirety of what we talked about. So it's probably better for the audience that we're doing it this way because otherwise it would have just been two hours on on that game. We'll see well, what happens. But Well, for me personally, I like don't understand why like I am going to watch a Cavs-Pacers game that starts at 8 p.m. local time on a Sunday. Sun's like, Thunder is me. Yeah, it's not okay, really what like, you got at least like a little. Day. You got a little stuff there, like Durant's coming back. It's like, what do the Cavs have to play for at this one? What do the Pacers have to play That's for true. at this one? And why is this game at 8 o'clock Eastern Standard Time on a Sunday? Does no one watch succession like is, is yeah. you know like what are, what are we doing here in so tuesday's pod sounds like it's going to be uh caitlin clark versus lsu recap and succession thoughts <laughs> just a, so well, it'll just be the, yeah. the everything but basketball show that day i'll go i guess the caitlin clark that's basketball but it'll I mean, be like I mean, two I'll days do, later maybe we can get some deep breakdowns of what the indiana pacers offense looks like with no tyrese halliburton great. so Sounds there's good. really great stuff but the nba and the nba pa have agreed to a, a new CBA. Oh, that's a lot of word salad for A lot of you. acronyms. A lot of acronyms. But this means labor peace in the NBA. It is a seven-year extension that will has a, a mutual opt-out after six years. Uh, Brennan, I will, be, I will be in my late 30s by the time that this CBA comes to pass. There will be a whole generation of new players in the league. This was obviously a long time negotiated. There's been a lot of pushback dates. March 31st was the initial pushback date, an opt-out kind of pushback date for both sides to get something done. And the details are starting to trickle in. We should say that we don't know everything yet. This is a massive document, and we don't know the full scope of all this shit, right? Like, we don't fully understand every nook and cranny. You know, like, it seems like every day or so, Woj and Champs and Tim Bontemps and Bobby Marks and all these people are reporting out little new details. But what we do have, uh, you know, I think we can dive through some of these different implications. And, and Brendan, I want to start with the second salary cap apron. So as okay. Woj had this first, this is $17.5 million over the tax line. And teams that are over that tax line will have, will quote, no longer have access to the taxpayer mid-level and free agency. Those changes will be eased to a salary cap over a period of years. Under these changes... Signings like Golden State getting Dante DiVincenzo, Milwaukee getting Joe Ingles, Boston getting Gallo, and uh, John Wall going to the Clippers would not have been two. possible. Uh, Just, little, <laughs> a little different than the first two. A little, little tough, but certainly like this limits the flexibility of the teams that are going to spend mm-hmm. gobs amount of money compared to some of these other teams. Th- this was, I think, maybe Brennan, the, the headliner. There's some other things we'll get into, but what did you, what did you make of this specific part of the new CBA? Yeah, well, to add in as well, it sounds like these 
uh, new rules for teams at that upper echelon, which I believe is uh, I've seen people that you know, calculate calculate and keep track of this stuff more than you or I say is about two to three teams per year. So we're really talking yeah. about, you know, like the Suns this year with the Durant trade, the Warriors, the Clippers, these very, very exorbitant salaries. This is not your, you know, Milwaukee Bucks who dipped into the tax by a hair when they got Drew Holiday or whatever the case is, right? These are the 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 very, very top. But sounds like on top of that loss of the mid-level, mid-level taxpayer exception, they will also lose out on the ability to send cash in deals, trade mm-hmm. first round picks, seven more than seven years away um, or sign players in the buyout market or take in more money than they send out in trades. And honestly, the loss of the taxpayer mid-level is interesting to me. Although, you know, as much as people have been like, well, if you think about what the Warriors season without DiVincenzo would have been like, oh my, it's like, okay, well really like, you know, that's because of Wiggins not being around. That's because of, Clay, uh, uh, Steph being hurt. Like uh, that one, I think is getting a lot of attention because of the Warriors, frankly. I think these other things are going to be particularly uh, punishing for these teams. Like the Suns, they were not all, I believe the Durant trade is what took them into this caliber of luxury Mm -hmm. tax payment. I don't think that they were in it already. So I guess they would have still been able to make the Durant trade. Um, but no players in the buyout market, um, no no ability to take in more money than they send out in trades. I mean, like the Suns this summer, and I'm not just focusing on them because I live here. It's also just a, a very important team that it's practical. Was being, it's, a, it's, it's a practical example. They were being lauded for, you know, getting off of, and this is going to lead into my big takeaway on this whole thing, but they were being sort of lauded for getting out of the hell of the Robert Sarver era and actually gunning for improvements for their team. They have a DeAndre Ayton trade potentially to make this summer. If they're not allowed, we don't know when these things will be phased in, like you said, but if they're not allowed to take in more money in a DeAndre Ayton trade than they're, than they're sending out, that, that, that just severely hampers them. And so you're taking these teams, and I just don't know if they were the problem here. I don't really know if they were the issue, and you're, you're punishing them for trying to win basically yeah. it doesn't th- this part of it doesn't make a lot of sense to me and i think a, a one of the through lines with a lot of the changes and again like you were, were correct to mention we don't want to pretend like we have this whole thing figured out but one of the through lines that i feel like i'm seeing in a lot of these changes is sort of arbitrary counterbalances to problems that either aren't really as severe as this these changes would make them out to be or aren't really problems in the first place. And I don't know what to make of that. And I don't really know why they're going after some of these things when I think there's a lot more important stuff on the table that didn't get addressed at all. Yeah, I think that's right. There's some other things in this that I I have some questions about. There are things I really like about this kind of on paper, what we're seeing with the CBA. There are other things I, I don't particularly understand. We'll, we'll get to some of those, you know, in due time. Um, Look, I, I think the other thing this goes hand in hand with Brendan, this is what the two things I linked up. They're gonna so they're gonna add a third two way slot. And you may think, oh, this is a weird way to link like the cap on spending versus these two way slots. These are kind of different things. One obviously is very expensive, one is like a pretty cost effective like roster spot. But mm-hmm. I, I think we're I think one of the side effects of this is that teams will be more inclined to be 
developing more than ever. And I don't, you know, I don't know if that's, I, I there's probably an argument to me that this could eventually cost some of the older guys that have earned some money, some money. And I, I don't think that's always a great thing, but I think there's going to be a world where like developing your own guys, developing guys on two ways, investing money in scouting, think investing money in, in player development stuff, stuff that doesn't, by the way, does not have limits, right? Like you can spend whatever you want on on these things you you have the limit for two yeah player development your, staff, your g your whatever. g league program yep. like all, all this stuff yeah. is going to have the you don't have a salary cap on that stuff i think we're going to head into a world where that some of the teams at the top are really going to need to not, not just make the right signings and the margins for agency make smart trades and all that stuff but they're going to really need to nail drafts they're really going to need to nail these two-way slots with udfas their scouting departments, their analytic departments, all these, the teams that we can look, I think there will be a thing in like five years where we can look at this and say the teams that have really invested in scouting, the teams that have really invested in analytics and are kind of marrying their, all these different aspects of player development together too, are teams that can really succeed without having to, to navigate some of this. I, I, to me, that is like, they're two opposite ends of the spectrum, two opposite ends of, the, of what's going on here. But I think kind of, kind of saying, okay, like if, if the Warriors can't go get Dante DiVincenzo, where the Suns can't go get player X this summer because of these salary cap things, they need to to think and plan in advance for that and find UDFAs, find two way guys that they can turn into real to real role players. Yeah, I think that's a good call. I think that's a a good way to forecast what 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 we might see. So that's kind of the bottom and the very top in terms of player salaries and things like that. I'm really interested in, in the middle here as well and, and what's going to change. I think the NBA is very interested in the middle. I think that's yeah. like one of the big takeaways here as far as we can tell. Yeah, so you had a note in our, in our outline about um, it, it sound, and this is one of the things that I think has the least details right now as we're recording is uh, a potential adjustment of the size and number of mid-level exceptions. So we talked about how the taxpayer mid-level for those very top taxpaying teams might go away, but it sounds like there might also be for the under the cap teams, but especially the over the cap under the tax teams, there might be more right now. There basically is that 10 or so million dollar mid-level exception. That's the one that everybody knows. And that, that, that might get bigger. There might be other types of exceptions. There might be bigger opportunities for trade exceptions, things like that. So I guess in that way, you would look at that and say, there, those are going to be new opportunities for these middle tier players to make more money. But when you also at the same time look at the league is apparently, according to these same reporters, looking to do away with the limit on designated supermax uh, rookies. So they, the example Woj gave in his tweet was the Cavs with Donovan Mitchell, Darius Garland, and then Evan Mobley now coming up for an extension and potentially in line, likely in line to get a max like those two. Now he'll be able to. And the increase in the percentage, uh, the percentage increase that an extension eligible player can get. And the example that Woj sent out with that would be a guy like Jalen Brown, a guy like DeMontis Sabonis. Right. Uh, even like Jeremy Grant, who's been extension eligible all year and apparently turned yep. down the max that he was able to get with Portland. Uh, it just was not very lucrative. And so a lot of these very good players, all star level players who weren't max guys, but were somewhere just shy of that. They would always say no to these extensions because they just weren't giving them enough of a raise and free agency was just going to be a, a better opportunity. I think the numbers going from like 125 or 130 up to 140 percent of their current salary, which makes it maybe that much more likely that they say, 
yes to something like that. So when you look at the opportunity for more designated rookie max extensions, the opportunity for larger extensions for these veterans who are on their second or third contracts, and some of the emphasis that I think this will put on getting good players on rookie deals or you know low-cost deals, I think this will actually, even if those exceptions and stuff improve, I think that you're looking at a situation where the middle is going to continue to get chewed out um, of, of the league. That's what's happened in other sports. I, it's just sort of, I don't want to say unavoidable because I don't want to like give in. I don't think it's necessarily the right ethical or like, you know, like a utopian way to handle all of this. But baseball, that's been a, a massive issue for baseball and football. It doesn't even exist, really. There almost is no middle class of player in, in football. Um, you're either getting well, paid be, like a quarterback it, or you're you're nothing, right? Or at least you don't get like multiple like it I would it would seem like to me the way that I would could see this going is guys that are the superstars or the all-star level guys are the ones who get the multi-year commitments. Guys on rookie deals get multi-year commitments, but if you're in the middle, maybe you're like a year to year mercenary kind of thing. Sure. Yeah. And that that very that, well that's that's a very be, NFL, that's how we see it in baseball in football, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. Um, the, yeah, the, so I, I don't know. I, what do you think about the middle class? Because you seem to be a little more optimistic about how this might leave I, them than I was. I don't know if I'm optimistic, but I do want to see what these exceptions are and like how they work. These like there's there's things we just don't know that are like accounting questions, which is not like either of our area of expertise. I will be reading Bobby Marks and Brian Taporic and you know like the CBA FAQ and like anyone who uh, Keith Smart Shouts like all to these Danny people. Larue. You know how many times, like, you know, you know, I'm going to, Jeff Siegel's going to block my phone numbers. What's going to happen? Yeah. Exactly. RIP to, R- R- to early bird rights, man. I, I really, really miss early bird rights like every day. You got your life, sticker? Uh, not anymore, but um, it's unfortunate. Wow. Yeah. Disrespect. Change laptop, you know, like change the laptop case, like whole thing. Um. So... I'm curious to see what the exceptions look like, how they work vis-a-vis this tax, how they work via the aprons. Like, are there still like loopholes you can kind of do? But like, I do wonder if these end up becoming like year to year things. And then there's like more turnover. And like, you just see a guy who's like a $7 million, $8 million player, like ends up switching teams every year or something like that, or just kind of like, is it in a place for two years, but has to re up in a place every year. Right. Like, and, and, Mm -hmm that's a tricky place to be, you know, like you, you want that multi-year security, you want those guarantees, but I could, I absolutely could see a world where it's like the guys who are no brainers get the max deals, but you like maybe the Grizzlies in some ways are like ahead of this because of how they've kind of built their team, right? Like it is tons of draft picks kind of bringing guys in like David Roddy's like playing minutes for them. Like Aldama's like, they're not like relying on like going out and getting multi-year commitment from free agents or kind of like drafting guys. They really like and kind of giving them opportunities. Yeah, I mean, drafting well is always going to work in every sport, right? If you're amazing yeah. at drafting, you're, it's a cheat code to, to get out of the salary cap rules. It's a cheat code to not have to be an attractive market. It, it just solves a lot of problems for you. And that's not going to ever change. Well, but. And it, but it's funny that this is coming in a world where like, think about how many teams have traded away boatloads of future draft picks. And it's like, they're not, they're going to be like sort of in this like weird place where like they can't unless they're linked to like spend money to buy second round picks or really like, you know, get as many UDFAs as they can. They're going to be like out of the draft cycle in large part. Cleveland is like this, um, like, like, the the Lakers obviously have like some version of this, you know, like Dallas is just getting some of its picks back. Like, you know, the, the bucks have traded picks. Like the Suns obviously have traded like a bunch of picks. Like that's, well, that's, these teams that's are actually, now. 
Yeah, agreed. And and that's where I think the biggest the the biggest change will come. And again, I don't necessarily I can't forecast how the because it's never really about what the changes are. It's always about what do the teams do to adjust and how do they try to find loopholes and openings to attack and, and inefficiencies and all that stuff. So even really just trying to evaluate purely like, okay, the NBA thinks X will happen because they made this change. It's like, well, we'll see. We'll see what actually practically changes. But it feels to me like the NBA wanted to bring the hammer down on these high-level teams. And yeah, again, to compare it to some other sports, like I think of the, what the Padres and Mets have done to really piss Rob Manfred off in baseball, you know? And they just agreed to a CPA kind of prior to those big spending sprees, but you're seeing it in basketball. The, the NBA is getting its own Steve Cohen's and... Peter Seedler's that are these baseball owners that are that are overspending and kind of throwing the market out of whack. You know, the league is going to get more Matt Ishbia's who just bought the Suns and more, you know, Mark Laurie, who's buying the Minnesota Timberwolves and Joe Sy, who bought the Nets. That's going to be the owner class going forward, not mm-hmm. these mom and pop. The guy who owned the Jazz, who was like a, a a car dealership and like furniture store maven out in Salt Lake City, or the buses who, you know, John C. Riley's playing the dad in a you know heartfelt HBO show. Like that's not what NBA ownership is going to be anymore. And so it's weird to me that they are kind of preemptively creating these ground rules for what is increasingly going to just be the normal. That that feels very strange to me. And and I think from like a fan experience perspective, it feels strange to attack these people who, you know, I understand if I'm, let's say, you know, the Allen family in Portland or who actually do spend, by the way, or Tillman Fertitta in Houston or whatever, that, you know, I understand a little bit of anger and animosity towards Steve Ballmer or Joe Sy or, you know, the Warriors ownership or Suns ownership who are who are just paying to be better. I get that. I guess I understand why you want to, you know, create parity to some degree. I think this goes a little too far. But either way, if I'm Adam Silver, if I'm in the league office, it feels to me like a little bit of a misunderstanding of what makes people love basketball specifically, yeah. right? Football mm-hmm. parity works. Parity is king in football. That's part of why it's always going to be dominant. That's part of why... It can have, you know, uh, fan bases in these out of nowhere cities like Green Bay, where nobody should ever really be able to make millions on a sports team and do right. Uh, But I think in basketball, people love greatness. I think people love dynasties. I think people watch because they want to see can LeBron James take down the 73 win Warriors? You know what I mean? Can Kevin Durant come give a first ever championship to the Phoenix Suns? That's why people love basketball, not because they want to see if the Pacers can go from 10th to second, that's not, nobody cares about that in this sport. The, the war, the where I wonder is if there's just like some trying to prevent the, the Durant era warriors from happening again. And that would tend to be the tend to be my guess is that they want like a semblance of, of parody in that sense. That would be my guess about like some of what the, this kind of comes. Well, the Durant era warriors gave them the best ratings they've had in the modern era. So, yeah, but I, congratulations I, I you. NBA. You're 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 ruling out the best thing that ever happened to your sport. Just like I don't know what's about, going on. Just think about who Adam Silver answers to and who his boss ultimately is and who isn't his boss ultimately. Sure. Yeah. I mean, we'll say just, what you're I'm saying. saying. I mean, I'm not saying. Are you I'm worried about them I, coming I, after you? I don't disagree with you. I agree with you. My point is that I just think Adam Silver is probably thinking about this differently than most everybody else. 
Well, my point is, I think that Adam Silver's bosses are the owners. Adam Silver's bosses yeah, are I the Herb Simons and the Tillman Fertitas who are yeah. applying for PPP loans during COVID because they can't run their businesses, allegedly. But what I'm saying is, Adam Silver's bosses will be Matt Ishbia, Joe Sy, Mark Laurie, you know, the, why can't, Joe Lacob. Those guys are going to be who run this league before long. So I'm not really sure why there's an entire CBA that comes and goes where it feels like he's answering to these small market, you know, poorer owners who just shouldn't have any power over all of this. They shouldn't have as much power as they seemed to have here. Um, but I think we should also, Chris, talk about some of the smaller stuff and then also the player perspective because Draymond Green came out pretty powerfully in an angry way, I think, speaking to some of what we're yeah. talking about in terms of the middle class and players not getting a lot of wins here and the league just really turning itself upside down to punish can I, spending. Can I, the one thing, I just, before we run through some of the small stuff, I, the one thing I really, that I have a lot of questions about that I, I think deserves a lot of scrutiny is some of this, the, the, the investment stuff that the players can do. I think a lot of it seems very good on its face, like, I think players being able to invest in teams and invest into the WNBA teams and invest in different league partners is not a bad thing. But are are we really going to like, it's not an April Fool's joke that players can now like invest in like sports betting companies. Does that not seem like insane? That seems insane to me. It's like just from like a, from like an ethical standpoint, like let them invest in cannabis companies. Like, let them invest in other teams. Let them invest in fanatics or whatever league partner they want to. I'm good with that. Mm I don't understand how like you can have allow them to invest in sports betting companies, but this is also a league that was like, we're going to let, we're going to like get in in with crypto, which was like also a very stupid thing to get involved in. Like, I don't understand how like it's going to be cool for like James Harden or like another star player or whomever to be like a partner with DraftKings or like, like those companies have every right to do business. Like sports betting is a big business in the United States, but there's a, there's a line. There is a line between players who are actually playing games and into sports betting and the and that gray, really murky area that I don't think the league should be touching. That seems very bizarre. No, it, it's kind of silly to me, right? Like we had the guy from Philly, uh, I can't remember his name, who's buddies with Harden, who people think Josh, was a big uh, reason. I think Josh Harris, yeah. Josh Harris is their owner. I'm talking about the Fanatics guy who, oh, had, to di- um, who had to divest because he was... Um, me. If Fanatics is just a league partner, they wanted to get into more and Michael, more stuff. Uh, Mike, Mike, Michael Rubin. Michael Rubin. Yes, yes. And he he no longer is a, a minority owner in, in Philly because of some of these things not even related to sports betting. So it's funny that we have these like conflicts of interest perceived and otherwise like Jay-Z having to die to vest from the Nets because he was going to run an agency, right? But it's totally fine to have a vested interest in the the financial portfolio of a of a company that's solely based on people wagering on the outcomes of the games that you're playing in. It's fine if people put their, you know, uh, 5 million into that company growing, but not an agency. It, it, it is going to con- continue to be a collision course. But I liked on some uh, a similar note, Chris, that uh, licensing revenue yep. is going to be allowed to be part of basketball-related income. I'll be honest, I didn't realize that it was, I, I thought at least a portion of it already was like if you had asked me that i i guess i'm just that's a a a short-sightedness on my part but i think that's an area where the league is going to continue to pump investment and energy and resources and so to have players be able to to make money off of that i do think is a win for 
for players. Because if you think about, you know, all the try the growth that they're trying to create out of the app, the NBA app, what what's going to happen with streaming? Some of those things are going to be falling into that category. And if the league is getting more revenue directly to it from those uh, revenue streams, the players, of course, should should get in on that money. So that does feel like it might not feel huge right now, but it could be even more important. It, it's apparently like 160 million this upcoming season. I could see that going up and the players really benefiting from it. I, I agree with that. And I, and I think it's like a no brainer. Like they're the ones that like, they're the reason people buy jerseys. They're the reasons people buy yeah. like any of this stuff. Like no one's like, nobody's hey, buying but, a Jersey with an NBA logo on it. Right. They're not. Well, unless you're Rob Lowe. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But like no one's also no one's like getting like a Phoenix Suns like Matt Ishbia jersey, you know? No one no. if anyone bought that, like you deserve to like probably get that taken away and like made fun you're of a in cop perpetuity. If you do that. <laughs> yeah, hey cat brother. Fed. But yeah, you're 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 very sus at the very least. You're no one's man. like no one's like, I'll give me a James Dolan Knicks jersey. You know what I mean? Like no one's like no one's I doing feel like that. if if somebody had a James Dolan Knicks jersey on, it would immediately be so out of place and obscure that I think that it would fa- it would fail the surveillance testing that he's installed at the arena and you would actually get like detained because he'd be like, you, there's no way you're serious. No one likes me. Please explain yourself. Yeah. He's just like, I'm really into JD in the straight shot, man. Like I'm just a big, a big, I don't even like basketball. I just like love JD in the straight shot. Um, and look like, and there, this is only going to keep growing. I think we very much see that this is like a growth thing in the NBA and like, all this stuff is going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. I mean, look at what Jersey prices cost. Like, uh, I don't know how this is in Phoenix, Brennan, but like the Cavs do all these different kinds of merch drops at games. Now, like they have like partnerships with streetwear companies and different brands. And Oh yeah. Back here I have a, from when I went to MSG last in November, there was a Kith night, you know, like the yeah. Yeah. hype beast brand. <laughs> um, yeah. They had yeah. like a, they had like a magazine and like a, a towel and then they did a whole line and they announced it that night. And, they had like fat Joe wearing like a cool jacket and whatever. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's going to grow. It's going to grow. And like, there's this, like the players should absolutely be getting cuts of the money. Like that's like, a, that's like a, a no brainer to me. Did you um, know that they didn't? I feel like an idiot. I didn't, I didn't either. And I felt very it's dumb. Crazy. I fe- yeah, it's crazy. Okay. A couple other things. Um, there's now going to be a 65. Well, let's do thumbs down, thumbs up, thumbs down on some of these. And then we'll, some mm-hmm. of these, there's one in particular I think we'll come back to as like an episode gimmick once we get out of the regular season in that kind of nebulous zone. But 65 so game, one, is that what we're going to do an episode on? Just like no, taste could, test? Okay. That'd be, that could be fun though. Um, sponsors. Go ahead. <laughs> Sponsor us companies. But uh, first you have 65 game minimums for awards and all NBA. Thumbs up, thumbs down. It's a can of worms. I'm going to go thumb sideways. I don't think it'll really change a ton, to be honest. I'm I'm going to I'm going full Commodus all times. I do these shots to Gladiator. Can't wait for Gladiator too. Um, I'm thumbs down. Like, I, I think teams are like someone's going to check in for 10 seconds and like hit 65 and it's going to be stupid. Yeah. It just feels like a win for a, a press release. OK, all NBA is now positionless. Thumbs up, thumbs down. Thumbs way up. Two thumbs up. Give me the up. 15 best players. I don't need it to be guards and forwards and centers. It's silly. This like is, the third team center this year is not going to be one of the 15 best players. We all know that. So yeah, no this is going to be the episode. We'll, we're going to do, I think we'll probably do like, Hey, let's pick our all NBA teams episode. I think we should do a version of that or in that episode. Probably that is like, what would our, if this was positionless right now, who would our 15 be? I think that's like a very easy little thing we can do. Um, 
Brennan play the the tournament, the in season tournament coming. You know, the, I there's we've seen five hundred thousand dollars out there as a per player for the winning team. Uh, I don't know. I, I've now seen that twice. That, that number Woj said on his show, kind of talking about this, that it's still being negotiated. Um, this could start next year. Thumbs up, thumbs down on the in season tournament. I think it's a thumbs up for me. I think the the final is cool. It's a marketing opportunity. I would love to go to that game. I went yeah. to the inaugural one for the WNBA, which has now had it for two seasons. And the first one was hosted in Phoenix. So I got to go. It was Storm Sun. Pretty good game. Pretty cool little gimmick. I think that the key learning from what the W has had an issue with is that they need to market and explain it very well because people won't understand which of these games are qualifiers? Why does that matter? What's going on? What are the standings yeah. for this thing? Who's where? What's going on? I think if you just throw them out there without any info, it's just going to end up feeling insignificant. So I think the league needs to make a push to to just make it feel big and make it feel obvious. Otherwise, it'll it'll be a waste. I think we need to... I'm thumbs up as well. Uh, I've come around on this. I want to see how much the players care about it. That's going to be my real answer. But I think, I think especially be fun if team, like I don't expect like the veteran, like teams that could win a title to really care about this, but I could like a team like this or like Cleveland or Sacramento or like the thunder, or like some of these teams that are good and like to different varying levels of good, but like not really maybe title contenders, I think could like be like, Hey, let's go for this. And I think that could be, kind of cool but it, i think it will need yeah. to be explained well and like very and like i also think it's good that they're not like adding more games on top of the regular season that it's just like part of the the season because i don't think that would have been would have been tenable to add yeah and games. that's but that's kind of part of what makes can make it confusing is you don't yeah, realize 100%. oh this game matters for this other reason also it's not just like you know thunder suns on a random night it's it's okay I get this this matters i think the cool part about it though too will be the dominant regular season teams, you know, like the Bucks this year, they might they might have gotten in just because they won a lot of games. I don't think that the best teams are going to make, you know, load management decisions or like injury rotation decisions based on trying to qualify for this thing. So you might get the odd, you know, the 60 win team. That's just great. But you'll also get some of these teams like Sacramento teams like, you know, yeah, Cleveland, whatever that are maybe do actually find some sort of like drive in gunning for this. It gives, it gives some purpose to something else going on that, you know, fans can show up for. It can give local fan bases something to care about, whatever. So I think we'll see some fun matchups. It won't always just be like a preview of the finals every year. 100%. Um, no more suspension for marijuana. That's just like common sense. Kevin Durant, the, the Kevin Durant, uh, legacy showing up there one more time that's the best thing that came out of the kd Kyrie nets we'll say that yeah um and then no one and done change so i'm just just gonna move about that uh no one and done change so no more there's not gonna be any high school preps to pros guys for this how long before we start talking about how it'll be in the next cba chris two years yeah maybe tomorrow well in 2029 there might be a double draft We'll, we'll we'll start getting that soon uh, I will be too old at that point. Okay. Uh, Brennan, let's go to our big topic today. Well, there's more CBA to come. I'm sure there'll be some things that trickle out between now and, and Tuesday that we'll talk about on our second episode of the week. But let's go to our key storylines for the NBA's final week. We have each prepared four storylines, I believe. Uh, I, I can go first if you would like. Okay, go for it. Okay. All right, so I'm going to do a pick kind of like a I'm not going to go my A plus one first. I'm going to go 
up north. Okay. And I'm asking, I'm just asking the question, is this the last ride for this version of the Toronto Raptors? Hmm. I'll, Fred I have Van, one somewhat linked to this, so we can double dip here, but I won't, okay. I won't reveal it. Let's talk nurse. Okay. So Fred Van Vliet also you know, probably hitting for agency. What happens there is part of this, but Nick Nurse this week says he will see where he's at at the end of the year. You have uh, a Toronto Star column really kind of linking them to Ime Udoka to come in and replace her. Nurse is getting some link to the Houston Rockets. This just feels like it is shaping up to the end of, of something for me, Brennan. You read yeah. what he said. You don't really say that unless you're probably like thinking you're probably going to leave. The reporting out of Toronto linking them to Udoka seems pretty strong. Someone he has obviously has ties to Masai Ujiri, and someone was going to hire Udoka. Like he, like regardless, like what happened there is obviously not great, but like he's considered this like really really high end coach and yeah. won a lot of games. Like someone was going to hire him. It just was a matter of, of when, not if. And it seems like it might be Toronto. And it's and you know it also just seems like over time Nurse is a guy that um, can maybe be maybe need a different voice there maybe you need a different kind of a different kind of grading kind of grinding personality for that locker room I I don't think that's unreasonable I mean it was telling to me that he went and brought in Nate Bjorkren after Nate Bjorkren got fired in part because of Indiana because of you know kind of the way he interacted with players and he became a, a nurse guy back there so like I I, I just feels like this is. There's going to be changes in Toronto. I don't know what that exactly looks like. I don't know how drastic they will be. They obviously have Barnes and and a lot and Siakam and and a lot of guys at the center of this. But Nurse, who won a title with them, moving on perhaps, and maybe Fred leaving as well. This feels like a trend. This is we're leading into some a different version of Toronto coming out the other side next fall. It's a team that's been confusing as to why it has underperformed, right? It's one of these teams where I feel like you look at the talent. Does it always fit together perfectly? I guess not, right? You know, the way that the roster is built, it's like very heavy on a certain type of player, which is this versatile six, eight or so guy. Um, it's nice in theory. It makes you look sexy when it comes to modern, modern basketball. But when Fred Van Vliet is the only player who can really handle the ball or shoot that consistently is, is on the floor that can backfire. And so I, I'm not trying to say it's some sort of perfect sleeping giant that Nick nurse just botched, but the talent is together better than I think the win totals have been right. Like I, even Tampa Bay, we can, we can give them some slack for the COVID season when they were not even at their home arena not even in their home country, but last yeah, year Tam and this year Tampa was bad vibes. Yeah, understandably. Right. But like last year and this year, I just think they've underachieved relative to what they have. And so it's a little confusing to me why. And I guess it sort of makes you understand why a coach would, would be the one to fall on the sword a little bit. Um, I, honestly, my takeaway seeing a lot of this was not to, you know, rehash things that are in the past, but it's really not the too distant past. And I just, Look at why I look at what they didn't do at the trade deadline, which was get rid of anybody. They actually mm -hmm. added. And yes. I don't know where I come down on it. I, I think that there's something to be said for maybe they re-signed some of the players, Van Vliet or Trent or whatever, you know, keeping OG and Obi and just seeing how he continues to develop. It's not like his values just tanking after the deadline. You could easily trade him at the draft and, and get just as much, if not more. But I look at it and I'm like, was there is there a little bit of a power? power struggle, power move happening with Masai. Um, I know I, I don't know anything, obviously, about the background behind the scenes of this team, but the roster continuity and sort of resistance to change, coupled with Nurse not being able to get the most out of it, 
It's like, yeah, we know how basketball works. We know how sports works. Nurse is going to be the one to get fired. But is, an, is a coach going to fix this if Masai is sort of stuck in his ways or, or determined to, to have things be a certain way? I don't know. It's, it's, it's very much a push and a pull, but I guess I just, I don't think it's necessarily fair or reasonable to be, to kind of pile on nurse without looking at the bigger picture. No, I agree. I'm not even trying to like pile on nurse, but I think there's I don't a think you point. are, but I think if he yeah. leaves, that will be the narrative is like, he yeah, failed I mean, his team or he just screwed this up or whatever. Cause that's what happens with coaches. And look, like, I also just think like you do sometimes need a change, uh, a voice change. Like that happens, right? Like that, that absolutely happens where you get to a spot where you just need a different voice in the locker room. I I, th- I think that's not a that's not an uncommon thing where got you just kind of like okay, like we just need it. We need to hear from somebody different. And sometimes like you can like go incorrectly and and do something wrong there. But like sometimes like you just need a a different persona and like you just need to change it up. There's in been stuff regard. with him and Pascal for a while, right? There was mm-hmm. the suspension a couple years ago where he like left the game early. And then there's been some, you know, is Pascal happy stuff that seems to kind of bubble up here and there. I, you know, neither one of us know, but that that's something you could easily point to as a reason why nurse maybe hasn't had his voice heard. Right. Yeah. I, I think that's correct. Um, I just quickly before we move on to the next topic, did you like the idea of him in Houston? So I uh, I checked out uh, the Locked On Rockets discussion of of the the rumor and uh, Ali Khan Bijani, who's a, a good like X's and O's guys on on the Rockets, broke down the fact that actually the the limitations of what Nurse has been able to get out of the Toronto offense doesn't lend itself to kind of bringing the best out of what Houston's offense has been in, in that both are very ISO heavy. And both are very much just like, let's see what our guys can do. And he kind of brought up like Houston needs more connectivity, more structure for their offense. And Nurse hasn't really given that to the Raptors. So I think Nurse, from the perspective of sort of being a more seasoned coach than Steven Silas is, maybe you just hope that like kind of behind the scenes, he's able to get things together. I don't really know how much hope there is for that in Houston with how much the insiders seem to tell us things are broken and hopeless over there. But nurse makes sense that from that standpoint, I just don't know if he makes a ton of sense to be the guy who gets the most of what Jalen green is from a talent standpoint or what, you know, Kevin Porter is from a talent standpoint. Yeah. I, I th- I think they have like a lot of other things they need to figure out that are, that are bigger than Nick Nurse, and I don't know if Nick Nurse mm-hmm. just is like giving you exactly kind of what you need. Like it just seems like there are bigger organizational issues, and I just like I can't imagine like the 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 most bizarre like weird NBA summer to me would be like they Harden goes back there, they get another high draft pick, then they hire Nick Nurse. Like what are, what are we even doing here? Like what is Harden, this just Wimby, to, like, and Nurse all to Houston? That's what's happening. That's what's I, coming. And Harden, Nurse is just like demanding Harden like play his like really connective like pressured defense, and Harden's like, I didn't do that in no. freaking Philly all the time. Like, why would I do that now? Like, I didn't. Yeah, I came exactly. here to like. I came here because I love Houston, and like, I want to be here. Trying not, to have like, a good time, Nick. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's, bro. Let's I was. Not, let's not really. I was, like, I was out the where they have a banner up for me till three in the morning last night. Like, what do you like? What do you want? What do you want from me? I. I just. It doesn't. This is, if I was Nick Nurse, I'd be taking like a year off and just like waiting. I think like any good coach, honestly, if you leave a job, unless you're just like, 
like just like need to be an NBA head coach and like need to do that, which like that's a Tibbs thing. Like that's a, a thing in European mm-hmm. soccer, like with a lot of guys. Um, Worked for Thomas Tuchel. <laughs> did not work for Antonio Conte. Did not work Conte. for Quinn Snyder. It did, did not, not work, work for Quinn Snyder. It did in not work opinion, for Antonio. I wouldn't want I mean, to win in Atlanta. I, I mean, it seems like he got some personnel decision-making power there, which is sure. like, you know, good for him. I did not work for Antonio Conte pretty, pretty clearly. <laughs> when, yeah. Um, well, yeah. So... Trial and but error, like, wins and losses, but nurse. I agree. I mean, I think yeah, I don't. Uh, I, I wouldn't rush into a Houston role. I guess is oh. is where I'm coming from. But let, that leads us to my first storyline for the last week, which is which coaches get fired. Um, so I think to me, I broke it down. I have three likelies and six maybes. Okay. So one of the likelies we already talked about, Stephen Silas. And you can tell me on all these if you agree or disagree. Jason Kidd? Yeah, probably getting he's probably getting fired. We'll see if they like super overachieve, but they might not even make the play in. So I'm not yeah, ready to do the overachieve idea with them right now. Yeah. Uh, and then Chauncey Billups. Probably getting fired. <laughs> in Portland. Yeah. Feels like it's time, right? I don't think he's done much of anything to to give them inspiration there. All right. And then the three maybes. Dwayne Casey, Detroit? Or do they just have him as their coach until he uh, is 85 years old? I don't really know. I, I, yeah, I don't. There's part of me that like likes like that he's like this veteran voice there, but also like maybe you need to like get someone who's going to design some stuff that is really great for Cade and Jaden Ivey and whoever your draft pick is. And like, I think Casey's like a really good guy to have around, but maybe he's not like the right fit for that at this point. Yeah, agreed. All right. And then Jamal Mosley in Orlando? Or I'm sorry, in uh, I didn't mean Jamal Mosley in Orlando. Wow. What I meant is Wes Unsell Jr. in Washington. They both got hired at the same time, and I put them. Okay, on the I mean Wes like Unsell the, Jr. I, I, the Wizards should just. It, I don't care who their coach is. They're probably going to be the 10th seed next year, and like we're going to have the same conversation. So like honestly, and he like, has the what, connection the to point? the franchise with his dad and whatnot. So yeah, what, what's that's the, why what's, he's a maybe. Yeah, what's the point? What's the point of that one? Know. You know, what's the point of the Wizards is really the question. <laughs> All right, and then last yeah. last maybe is Billy Donovan. Ooh, um, yeah, I, I could see a case for, but also just like that's, that doesn't team doesn't feel like his fault, mm-hmm. you know? And like, yeah, I don't, I, that, that's another, you might just don't know what you do. Like, what is the point of that? Unless you're just like, sure. Like, is the next coach for sure going to fix things for you? Like, I don't think like a coaching change is a lock. No, but if they if they kind of hit a reset and like you know no more DeRozan, no more Vooch, let's see what yeah, go someone younger, get a little younger, maybe yeah, maybe go, Donovan's go not like the, the best guy go, anymore. Go like go like the Will Hardy, uh, the Thunder's and coach whose name yeah, I can hire never Johnny pronounce. Bryant from the Knicks or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. I think I think that would be a decent option. Is, um, that was well, it though. I, so I had I have those six guys. Did I miss anybody? Did I besides Nurse? Obviously, we'll we'll see. But that's seven there, if we add Nurse. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I would, I'd be curious to see like if the Nuggets flame out if Mike Malone just like gets gets the short end of the stick. So that's the ones that I didn't include, right? Is like there's a lot of guys in the playoff range that is the, you know is there a lot? Be. Is there a is there a lot though? Because I feel like because it's like let's go through the the top couple teams in each conference. Mm-hmm. Let's just like do this exercise about like mm-hmm. how secure you would think they'd be. Let's start in the East. Bud's not going anywhere. <laughs> I mean, I don't the, think I. If, if if Milwaukee lost in the first or second round again, I don't think they will. But it could happen. Okay. Uh, okay. I don't think Joe I don't Mizzou think Bud's going like anywhere. ironclad. 
Yeah, Joe okay. Mazzulla, no. I mean, they just Doc. They just him. I think Jock could get fired easily. Yeah. 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 I don't think Bickerstaff's going anywhere. Um, I think that's like a after next year thing. Okay, Mike Malone. I think possibly like, if things just go awry there, I think he would yeah. be like the obvious kind of fall guy. Unfortunately for him, I don't think that's even really fair. Uh, Taylor Jenkins. No. Too yeah, much chaos. It's not his fault. Yeah. Uh, Mike Brown is not going anywhere. Shots to Mike Brown. They're going to put Mike Brown on their ring of honor by the end of the season. Good for honestly, they should. Uh, Monty <laughs> Williams. Uh, I don't think Monty's going anywhere, no. Okay. Uh, Steve Kerr, probably not unless he like wants He's to gonna be the president of the team. Yeah, you call it P- that's, P- yeah, that's he, my yeah. Uh, conspiracy theory. Yeah. That's NBA succession right there. That's like that's like the pilot is like the that honestly, like we need NBA succession and like that would be like the right like structure. It's like the prison basketball operations is leaving when the coach like assumes control. Um I don't think Ty Lue's like in danger of getting like fired, but I wonder if at some point he just like I think Ty Lue could 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 be out this year. I, yeah, w- one way or another, I don't know how it all falls out. Um, I would say Chris Finch is is definitely a candidate to to be gone. On top of that, um, in That's Minnesota, just, not, just it's just because like not, it's just like not his fault though. It's just like there's these things where yeah, I look but at Tim this. Tim Connolly like, didn't hire him, so yeah, that's more just, where I'm coming from. Yeah, I just I I just empathize with them about that. All right, um, if all you right, could take to your if next anyone storyline, well, oh, no, well, just is there a job that you would want if one of if one of these jobs came open, you'd be like, that's the job I would I'd be prioritizing if I was a coach candidate. Of the likelies and maybes that I had, yeah, yeah, the other ones are say, like, I'm, yeah, uh, oof, not a lot to be honest with you. Um, I think Detroit is a pretty interesting opportunity. That's the one. I that's really the one think for Kate me. is awesome. Yeah. 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 And then I would That's say Dallas one. just because, you know, Luca. But. Good luck with that one, brother. I don't know if I, that seems hard. Yeah. That's one of my seems... questions. You want to just go into that? Yeah, let's do it. Let's just, what, if you've got something Luca related, let's just, that feels like a good segue. I have something Dallas related. I just have, okay. where are the Mavericks headed? So I watched their game on Wednesday night against Philly. And to be honest with you, I think it was the best they've looked since they traded for Kyrie and they <laughs> lost. And it was a yeah. really, Big bummer. Like they actually played well. I looked it up. They had 20 more passes in that game than they've had as a season average. The ball was moving really well. I thought their defense played pretty solid. I thought Kleba had a really good game. Uh, and then la- late in the game, Reggie Bullock and and Josh Green just missed a bunch of open threes, like four or five between the two of them on plays where Embiid was just being an absolute monster, closing off the paint, and Luca and Kyrie were kicking out, generating wide open threes, and the role players just missed them. Um, and I like it, it, that makes it hard to, to evaluate. Like Mavs fans hate that kid comes out after every game. They've lost so many close games this year. And he just says they, they miss shots and it's agonizing to hear as a fan, but like, I guess it is true. And at times, and like their shooters just haven't been as good. They also traded one of them and Dorian Finney Smith away for Kyrie as well as Dinwiddie. I guess they traded two of their shooters away for Kyrie. Right. Um, but they might genuinely miss the play in. That's where this is right now. Luca has been Se- uh, you know, public seven, about his 70, upsetness for the first time. Seventy percent chance in the uh, right about at per the basketball probabilities report that they are out of the plane. So they have a thirty percent chance of making it in. Yeah, that's rough. Right. So yeah, I guess if we're in agreement that that is a genuine likelihood, a possibility, if not likelihood, we talked about Jason Kidd being 
a likely candidate to to get fired um, because it does not feel like he is is connecting. It it does not feel like he has been able to make the most of what this team is, even if we all understand their roster has some limitations. You st- the Kyrie re-signing, I don't know. I don't know. Um, I don't know if they get him back, and then you're in you're in real dire straits. I and also just like there's parts of this Luca year that I just I understand like he's maybe dealing with some stuff, and and that's part of this. Um, there's just like parts of the season with him that I think have been kind of fr- I think pretty reasonably frustrating. Like he. I think complains more than any player in the league doesn't really try in defense, like the body language stuff with like some of the Tim Hardaway things and like some of the, the shot, like when guys miss shots, it's just like, he just seems like completely checked out and like, he's averaging 32, he's averaging 32.9 and 8.1 assists. Like he's having like an outrageous individual season, but it's like what it is not like accomplishing anything. It is not like, been to feel it doesn't feel like this like amazing like Luca season in that regard. Like he was like a very trendy MVP pick, and I know he might still finish like top he five. He has been his whole career. <laughs> Every yeah, season is, he's the trendy MVP pick. Yeah, but it's like if he plays like this, like there's parts of this where he's just like never gonna crack that upper echelon and especially when his team just is kind of blah. And it's like yeah. like they like what do they have going forward aside from him? And like it's like Josh Green and Jaden Jaden Hardy and him and it's like everything else you're just like I don't know if like we're going to have this guy in six months or if this guy's like good enough to compete with Luca, like just, they just feel like, and like, even if they got a different head coach, like what head coach is like, like how, what is like the path to getting like the most out of Luca? Like, I don't even understand how to answer that question. I, well, that's point. one of the that's things is like, I don't even think it is though. I think that you just need a coach who's going to come in and say, Hey brother, the way that you're playing basketball, not going to win. There's versions like of you how t- you have played basketball that will win. And you can do that. You've done it. Let's do that again. Like it's 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 right there. Like you that this is the rant that I went on with when we were talking about him a couple weeks ago. Is like you watch his Real Madrid tape when he was a prospect. You watch how he played even early on in his career when, especially his rookie season when he was not really ball dominant at all. He was kind of you know not fighting for minutes, but getting his his feet wet, getting his place in 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 the team and in the game. It was you know off ball screens it was dribble handoffs it was let me get downhill let me find the lob the the roll man on a lob let me find shooters etc now it's just like let me back somebody down at the elbow or you know in the the mid post and i'll either get a free throw i'll make a fall away jumper or you know i'll kick it out one pass away for for a three and and that's a, a it you can cheat offense in the NBA these days if you have enough shooting around you and the refs are on you know willing to call those fouls which they are but it's not going to it's not going to win a championship that nope. that level of of how much that stuff has has just overwhelmed their offense so i feel like there's a version where i don't even want to say like an old school coach but somebody who's going to come get his respect get him on the same page and say Here's a system that can work for us, right? And here, you know, I think re-signing Kyrie is really their only option. Um, they have to just hope that happens. I don't think that they... What What about Christian Wood? Is there any point in trying to bring him back? I mean, maybe I... I mean, like, yeah, from like a talent retention perspective, but like, is he... Yeah. 
Like, do you feel like great about him as like a piece based on this year? I I don't think I would. No. I wouldn't feel like you have like a locked in like really core piece of your Luca future, Luca centric future with him. No, you know he doesn't play defense. No, um, and like you, he, I was like I the, was throwing that to you, but I already had my opinion. You you yeah. weren't going to sway me. I would not resign no. Christian Wood. I I think I would just I would move on. And then so really, you're looking at what do you what can you get back for Tim Hardaway Jr., Maxi Kleba, Davis Bertans. Bertans really just is is money, right? It's not like he's valued. Yeah. Um, and, and then you can trade pick, they don't have trade picks now, and blah, 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 blah. they don't have their first round this year, but they'll have them from twenty four to twenty eight. So, like you said, on draft night they can event they can officially like start to trade their picks again. So you could you have one more swing from a trade standpoint, and if you can get something fairly solid, maybe you try to look for a, a sign and trade for Wood. I don't know if you'll get it. Um, you could go into next year with Kleba. Well, I guess I put Kleba in the trade in the trade possibilities. Whatever. Let's say just it's Kyrie, Luca, Josh Green, Jaden Hardy, so, probably JaVale McKee, right? And then something you're getting back for the in another big trade. Let's say it's, uh, you know, somebody a, a, around the caliber of like Chris Middleton. I, maybe it's not that good, but like, you know, a, a, a solid but not star level player. I guess Middleton's a little better than that. That's like you can get your third piece and then you just are pretty barren with role players and then that's your team. But they're they've they've fast forwarded this with the Kyrie trade to a point where they just kind of have to nail it pretty quick. And I don't know, but this this final week of the season for them is going to be pretty important to see where do they go and um, is how big of a failure is this season? Yeah, I it just feels it feels kind of like a a step backward to some degree. All right. What's and your next one? That's just not a fun place to be with Luca. Okay. Um, my next one, we'll go to my, my number one, one. How does the Western conference shake out in terms of playoff seating? Things are super tight. Things are cramped. Mm-hmm. Things are chaotic. You look at the, you, you, know, you look at the playoff probability report right now, Brendan, and like, Things are all over the place. Like Denver's pretty is locked this in at one. Something you get like emailed to your inbox from like the league. What is this? I've never heard no, of this thing. Beth, oh, okay, I'm gonna put it in our uh, our chat right now. It's the Basketball Reference has it's on their homepage. Oh, okay. You were just yeah. saying it in such an official. Uh, I just just such an I official just, title. I just assumed you like knew this, and like I look at. I'm it, imagining like, like a, a briefcase with the Manila folder in it that somebody like brings into your apartment every day and just like hands it. Sir, we have your report, and then you just yeah. Take that out I'm look. that. I'm clearly that. You know that that vital to like understanding like how I you feel. Know, yeah. Well, you know, I mean, look, you just okay. Like, I found it on the homepage. Yeah, I, I mean, I said I also just sent the link. So, like, you know what? Did you? I, I'm putting. I'm lear- you're learning something new. Don't say I never gave you anything, Brendan. You I told did. you about the basketball report. So, like, Denver locked in at one. Memphis pretty locked in at two. Sacramento locked in at three. Suns pretty locked in at four. But you go below that. And like no one has like above the percent like probability of like locking in their 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 seed right now. Like you know, I, I the upward mobility of the Wolves right now feels more in question just because Nas Reed gets hurt and you know he's such a big part of their team and such a key bench piece for them. But like, do the war like I I'm sure the Warriors like might like end up at six. Like the Pelicans have made the surge. Like the Clippers are there. The Lakers are playing really well and like have some have just like honestly looked like really legitimately good of late. The Wolves are there. The Thunder are there. We'll see if the, you know, the Mavericks have to sneak in. But like all of these jockeying for seeding and like how much you can even control aside from just like trying to win games to, to get the right matchup for your team. It's going to dictate a lot of things. Like we could get Warriors Suns in round one or we could get Warriors Kings in round one. And like, I, you know, I'm sure the Warriors and the Suns, if you gave them true serum, would probably be like, 
you know what? If I'm the Suns, maybe I just get the Pelicans to get to exercise those demons with Kevin Durant. And maybe the Warriors say, like, Draymond Green already did kind of say this under the guise of wanting to, like, keep travel local in Northern California. But he's like, I'd like to play the Sacramento Kings. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, like, and how do, does... Does LeBron, does LeBron like search his way into like a, into like a really crazy first round match with some kind or Here's do they try thing. to, p- let's let, let me yeah. jump in there because okay. my take and, and one of my questions was just who I, I put it as who gets the six seeds um, okay. in both conferences, but we can start with the West. I feel like, so the Lakers have a situation right now where they've played two fewer games than the Clippers and one fewer game than the Pelicans. So yeah, the record is only one game above 500, but not really, right? Because they're at a disadvantage in terms of games played. Their final stretch here, they beat Minnesota on Friday, very solid win. Anthony Davis was a monster. He almost had to leave the game, and then he just scored like what felt like 100 points in a row in the second half, made Rudy Gobert look like a joke. Actually, I have a Rudy Gobert question here as one of mine, so we'll get to that. A what? Lakers have... A why? Because we're going to have some fun, that's why. Okay. So we have at Houston for the Lakers on Sunday, the, the day we're recording. I would imagine that's a W. We don't have to cross, hold our breath too much. Um, at Utah, at the Clippers, home against the Suns, and then home against the Jazz. I would say Houston, Utah, and Utah are wins. I think that they very much have the ability to beat the Clippers or the Suns. So if let's say the Lakers just, let's say they go three and two. That would put them at 42 and 40 for the season. I'm not convinced that the Warriors or Clippers necessarily finish better than that because the Warriors have a a much tougher schedule and three of their four games are on the road, which, you know, is uh, as close to a sure thing loss as, as exists for them. I don't know what Denver's injury report looks like on Sunday. That'll affect things. But my main point here is I'm feeling like the Lakers being the five seed is a fairly decent likelihood outcome here. And I don't think many people are thinking of it that way. I, I know the Pelicans will factor in here as well. It's it's far from a sure thing, but that's pretty crazy to think after how their season started and, and all the questions that we've had about them that they could surge all the way to five. And I'm gonna just going to go ahead and pick them. I'm going to say the, the West shakes out as Lakers, Clippers, Warriors, Pelicans, um, five through eight. And that's my, well, I guess I won't say Pelicans like win the play in, but I just mean yeah. that they'll be the eighth seed. That's my pick. I'm just going to go crazy with it. What what else do we have to, to talk about here? It's the final week of the season. Let's go. Lakers Suns is just like a delicious. I also just want it. Yeah. You you, yeah. you figured me out. That's really all that is. I just want that. But look, I, I want like, I want, Ka- want Cavs Knicks. Like I, I want us to both get to see fun series in person. Like I'll get to see Cavs Knicks mm-hmm. and like there's going to be some some drama, I think, in that one. Um, Laker, I you know like will someone recreate Andre Drummond the Andre Drummond meme from the last time these teams won the playoffs? Like I hope so. Or the know? Jay Crowder meme, yeah, yeah. I just just I need I need all of the the, the energy so let me, in that one. Let me ask you this then: if we're in mm-hmm. somewhat of an agreement that that's a possibility, I, it's not the most likely outcome. Your it's little like, report that you mailed me real quick from the <laughs> Secret Service has. Yeah. Um, the, the, the Lakers with a 9.8% chance of getting the fifth seed. You know, people, not... people, you know, people say they wonder like, what is Joe Biden doing for this country? He's actually just crunching this report every day for me personally. It's one of the most important jobs in America. So I'm glad we have our best doing it. That's right. The, the Suns and the Lakers, if I just said that's what happens and my, my random guess ends up being correct. Um, that would be an all timer <laughs> who wins it. Mm-hmm. Suns in seven. Seven. I would say I think I would still go Suns in six, but um, the Lakers are legit. We talked about them last week. So let's say the Clippers get six. Then, like I'm like I'm making up here too. 
Clippers, Kings. Kings and Kings in six. Yeah, P, no PG is rough there. Um, mm-hmm. I would say Kings in seven. I'd have a hard time imagining them closing it out on the road, but I think a, sure. a game seven with the Kings beating the Clippers would just be an awesome moment for the NBA. So I, I want that. Um, but yeah, this is very much in flux. I'm, that's why I'm kind of just locking something in um, and, and, and going with it. That's going to be my guess. Um, who do you think get, gets 10 between Oklahoma City and, and the Mavs? I'm going to go Oklahoma City. That's what I want in this world. The Mavs have played one more game. Oh, no, they haven't. They're, they're at the same amount of games. Um, but it doesn't I, I really just, feel like the Mavs are going to... They, they, they lost to the, to the Heat by a bunch on Saturday, which was probably mm-hmm. the biggest one of the biggest games of their season. And it just didn't feel like they were like super interested in, in meeting that moment. So I don't have a lot of faith. Yeah, game, I, I would like the Thunder just to get them to get the reps, to get Che in that stage, to, to, to at least them to kind of be rewarded for some of the stuff they've done this year. That that feels like basketball. The basketball gods like putting their thumb on the scale in, in a positive direction to me. All right. My uh, last thing on on the standings for me would just be the who I said, who gets the six seeds. It feels like the Nets are going to get six over Miami. Yeah. Yes. They have a pretty easy schedule and there are, I think, two or one and a half games up. So it would it would take like a collapse by Brooklyn to not get six. Uh, 76ers Nets getting it without like all of the added intrigue just feels like a little bit of a bummer, but you know, and no Ben Simmons playing to even have that element because he just went home. Yeah. So that's, I think Philly probably wins that one in like five. Yeah. Well, good for them. Yeah. They also played a few years ago and I think they won in five, um, the year before Kyrie and Katie came. Okay. Let's get to. My Rudy Gobert. Yeah, what is this question here? My question is: Is Rudy Gobert running a social experiment? Is his is his march it ha, was was his march into April just like a big lead up to April Fool's Day? Is is he mad that Victor Wembanyama is going to become the most famous French player in the league, and this is just like him acting out? Um, you had the he got fined this week for an insane diatribe about which NBA we officiating, about. which we which did, we talk, did about. talk about. He said, as a basketball player that's been in this league for so long, it's disrespectful and it sucks, the officiating. I think you want to see KD in the playoffs, Steph in the playoffs, you want to see LeBron in the playoffs, and the Timberwolves are just not there yet. Um, so there was that. Um, <laughs> and then, did you see what he said about Anthony Davis? I'm I so I googled Rudy Gobert and I'm now reading uh, a story written by our our friend yeah. Bill DiFilippo at Dime, um, aggregating the comments and so he said more had this yeah. As I mentioned, uh, Davis played in, amazing in the second half on Friday night to beat Minnesota and and basically lock in that the Lakers were going to finish above them in the standing above Minnesota in the standings. Gobert said that the fall that AD took where he turned his ankle and almost had to go out of the game, the fact that Gobert chose not to like land on him or dunk on top of his fallen down body was a a turning point that he sort of allowed the Lakers to have. So here's the exact quote. He said, I had the ball in my hands and I could have went and dunked it, but AD was laying there. So I was like, that's too ruthless. I'll just pass it out. After that, it was just turnover after turnover. It was just a tough stretch. 
Is this man real? Is he serious? Is he a, a, a <laughs> robot person? Did AI actually like develop faster than we realized and it's, it's infiltrated Rudy Gobert's brain? What is happening? This man cannot know. help himself. The, the LeBron pass, by the way, after like that sequence where he like just kind of like he, he he after the miss um, when he just like kind of like floats it ahead to D'Lo. It's just like what like catches it, hits it immediately. And I'm just like, oh, LeBron's still pretty great. Um, yeah, I don't, <laughs> I don't know. And like he's even more important now for them because Nas Reed is out like they kind of need him to like be even more. And like he's obviously, I think, looked better since they got Mike Conley. Mike Conley seems to know how to play with him and and feed him and and all that stuff um you, i gave you a softball to make fun of rudy gobert and you're not taking it at all I, he just baffles me he just really baffles me because like i don't i don't understand like what he's trying to accomplish with these comments of late particularly the official social one, experiment one, that's what that's why i asked it that way i feel like he's just punking all of us what do we, this is I, why I, this man gets picked last in every all-star draft by the way he's okay a what weirdo. i need he says weird things i don't understand Okay, what I need, what I need is an Anthony Edwards cam every time Rudy Gobert is not doing media. <laughs> I think Ant just lets everybody do their thing. I think he. But just I just like you. Just know it. he would have like he would have some reactions. You know what I mean? Hmm. I'm sure in his head he's like. It's. I mean, this is exactly why you understand why things fell out with Donovan, right? Like, we don't need to go down that rabbit hole, but it's like, <laughs> just say normal stuff, dude. Like, yeah, we lost. Yeah, we just needed there, to play better. We like, really needed to beat that Lakers team, and we weren't able to. And and that's that. Like, it just yeah, whatever. It's just it's, it's bizarre. Rudy Gobert is a weirdo. It's fine. Just don't He's be. Good. Don't He's be a great weird, defender, but but you know, uh, don't be weird. Being a bad hang is like truly like an underrated asset. You know. Yeah, true. That should be a cool. That that should be a cool graphic with Rudy Gobert on it. That's gonna be Please, one of my my, pull, my pullouts for this. That's one of my pullouts yeah. for this one. Okay, um, being a bad hang is an underrated skill. That's there. There it is. All right. Okay, let's just we have to hit this one, Brendan. I I think this is a must. Does anyone pull in ahead of the MVP race in these last stretch of games? The new uh, poll from Tim Bontemps has it very close with. Jokic getting more first place votes, but Embiid getting more votes, getting more second and third place votes. Um, it seems like it's going to be one of those two guys. I think the last time I looked at, at BetMGM, their odds were even. Um, I'd have to double check that again, but I, you know, I think we're very much in a place where like this is going to come down to the wire. And does anyone have like a signature moment, a big kind of moment on a big stage, some kind of performance? Does does that happen this week and kind of give us? kind of a winner in the MVP race that, you know, has become like not very fun in a lot of ways. It's funny that the Bucks Nuggets game from last weekend just didn't affect anything. Like that well, was I, supposed to be one of these big duels and, and the Nuggets won that game pretty convincingly. Giannis did not play up to his normal standard. Well, and, and then the, Gian, does Gian, whatever. Give it does to Giannis, does, does, I think Giannis feels out of it. To, to me a little bit just because of that game and also maybe because of that Celtics game. I probably think Giannis is the best player in the league. And like there's yes. a case that he's just like he's the best player on the best team in the league. And like maybe just give that guy the MVP. But like he's had these couple of games where I wonder if that's gonna gonna ding him and like and then you have Dame this week saying he thinks it should go to Embiid. And like I, I'm I wouldn't doubt that that's like a pretty popular player sentiment 
if you if you so ask. Embiid on BetMGM right now is minus one eighty five. Jokic is plus one sixty, and Giannis okay. is plus eight hundred. Okay, so it's um, it's it's so, down to it. We're we're at Embiid and Jokic. That that's that's where this what's is. What's so crazy to me is like the Nuggets and Sixers are both going to win, and this was basically like a like you said it in the straw poll, like a three way, close to a three way tie. But Giannis was a little bit behind the pack, um, and so the odds kind of back that up. But the Nuggets and Sixers are both going to end up with like 52, 53, 54 wins. The Bucks are going to get close to sixty, and it just mm-hmm. feels like that doesn't matter here. They're the um, best team in the league. They're they're like, they're, the, not, fa- they're, close, they're the favorites right? from the like, title. Yeah, they're going to be several wins past the other two teams with MVP candidates on them. I know the Celtics factor in here too, but but Tatum's yeah. not really in the running. So I that that just feels crazy that that doesn't matter. I feel like we have already sort of just accepted the relentless dominance of Giannis and and just moved on. Which is, I think, always a mistake. I think when we do that, it takes some of this, like, not for granted per se, but, like, kind of for granted, it feels like a mistake to me. I think it's going to be Embiid. If you if you had a vote for, I agree with you. I kind of, and I don't, I don't mind that from, like, a, just give this guy an award and I think he wants it and all that stuff. Still he deserves very funny. one out of this stretch. Like, it, yeah. it would be a crime if, if he went these three crazy dominant peak seasons and didn't even have one to show for it. So it, it'll, it'll feel fair, I think, in in history for whatever that's worth. Yes. Okay. Um, if you were going to ask though, me who, who I would pick. Yeah. Who, if you had a vote, who'd you pick? Who'd you vote for? I would vote for Giannis. I think I would too. Well, I'd, I maybe I just, would, I'll just vote for Nazareth actually. Vote for Kyle Anderson. He's the MVP <laughs> so, of the league. Honestly, just voting he, for he voting for go voting for Mike Conley, but only after the trade. One half season of Michael. Yeah, just Conley just Mike Con- Wolves. Yeah. Wolves. Mike Conley, who's making defensive plays that he hasn't made in like a couple of years, and like is making Rudy Gobert like a functional offensive big. That's my vote. All right. Uh, do you have one more? I have one more. Go for it. Okay. So this is about your team, the team you cover. Mm. What clicks and what doesn't with the Phoenix Suns over this final stretch of the season? Hard schedule, you know, some big games, obviously, like, you know, they just played the, the, the Nuggets and Jokic didn't play and that took Nobody some of the played. fun out of it. <laughs> yeah, no, like that, that takes a lot of the fun out of it. We are in like this weird nebulous stretch of the season where you're not always going to get like the games you might have seen in December or something when everyone is not kind of prioritizing rest and things. That's like one of the weird quirks of the NBA season that seems to happen around March Madness and it's uh, yeah. kind of not, it's not particularly fun. Thankfully, we have Kalen Clark. Yes. To keep our uh, our entertainment. Yes. Yeah. Well, let me answer your question. Oh, well, what like, clicks well, and what doesn't? The, this is this is this is this the thing I would say that I want to I want to see where your head is at on this. Mm-hmm. I think as of today, I'm picking them to get out of the West. Yeah. If you had to tell me today who do I think is playing in the NBA Finals against the winner of the East, I think it's the Suns. Mm-hmm. But I also tend to think that the rest of these games matter for them just in terms of figuring out flow, figuring out some lineup combinations, just figuring out things that they're comfortable with and staying healthy, obviously. But yeah. I I just feel like if they just establish some kind of momentum, things look really potent for them in the playoffs. I just trust the talent so much. I like Monty Williams as a coach. I think their role guys will be good enough. And I think Durant's going to be like outstanding off of Booker and off of Paul. Yeah, I, I, but so, but that's where I'm at. But I also just am like, do, do I, do I need to put weight into these end of the season stuff, or should I just like ride the wave and no matter what happens? I think you can put stock into the games just because it's the only evidence we're going to have. You kind of have to. But 
Yeah. I'll I'll give you my answer to this question and then I'll give you Kevin Durant's answer to this question because he okay. he had a pretty good one. Um still crazy that I cover that person. I don't really understand that. Um but my answer is I what I'm looking at the most, what I think will click, what can click, what's gonna start to to look better than it has, is I think we are starting to see a better version of Chris Paul than we have the rest of the season. Um and I guess, you know, hats off to the man. He pulled off a, a similar type of social experiment to what we just talked about with Rudy Gobert by not playing well for most of the year and then turning it on when he needed to. So, like, you know, props to him that it worked out. But he's shooting 44% from the field in March, 31% from three. Nothing elite. Usage is, is low. But there's just been more aggressiveness lately from him that I think it bodes well for you know there were just a lot of these games where he was not even looking to score not even looking to get to his elbow jumper that he's so great at passing up open catch and shoot threes and looking out of rhythm there all this stuff that's kind of starting to go away there were games even like this the minnesota game they played when durant finally came back he was like taking floaters and layups at the basket against rudy gobert and like did they all go in i don't even know if any of them went in but it's just a matter of seeing him do that and the little signs that he's starting to attack more so i think that's what we'll see i think the other thing durant's answer when he was asked about what his focus is the last few games is he said the defensive game plan and i think for them to be able to win the the number of games that they're going to need to and face the different types of matchups that we know they're going to have to face whether you think you know guarding Jokic is very different than guarding steph curry right guarding the warriors offense versus the nuggets offense even the clippers with their iso stuff very different than how other teams are going to play whatever the case is whoever they face you're going to need to have versatility and variety to your to your scheme uh, about how you're guarding how you're approaching how you're game planning duran unlocks a ton of options for them um but that's an area where i think it won't just be as simple as like let's roll the ball out and, and make it happen and so I, I will be watching that. They play Oklahoma City with their five out stuff on Sunday after right after we record this. They face the Spurs, whatever, not going to be a, a super illustrative game. But then sure. they close with the Lakers and Clippers and the Nuggets uh, after that Thursday, uh, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday or something. So um, that's going to be very interesting how those last three games go, including the Thunder game. So I guess that's four of what, how how experimental, how much do they really push the limitations of what Durant can do as a weak side rim protector, as a wing defender, as a help guy, to really get comfortable being more aggressive than they have been and, and realizing, look, hey, we don't have 6'6 Jay Crowder as our help man anymore. We have a seven-footer that's one of the best defenders in the league. Let's, mm-hmm. let's see what we can do there. Like, let's take the car for a spin. And that's what I'm excited to see too, but that's what Durant said he's focused on. So I guess take it from the smarter of the two of us between myself and Durant, that's probably the better place to go. Yeah. Well, you know, well, Kevin Durant does have a podcast. I was going to make a joke that Kevin Durant does a podcast, but he does in fact have a podcast. Um, he has his own infrequent, but it exists, you know, but it's a flex. Um, maybe it's a more of a flex. You can just like drop like whenever you have time, you know? Yeah. Whatever. I'm my own boss. I'll, I'll, I'll hit the mic when I need to. Otherwise I'm going to go make millions shooting a ball. See you. See you in three weeks when the next episode comes out. Uh, scale of one to ten, how confident you are that that they like are are just going to be in peak peak form in the playoffs? Like, how how confident would you say you are that this team kind of meet, meets its meets its upper limits in the playoffs? I mean, I think by the you know second third round, we we will start to see some some pretty sick stuff. 
I think the honest reality without trying to sound too much like a cocky Homer asshole is <laughs> I don't think they really need to, man. I think that they're really good. Um, they have, they've played a hundred and this is from Shane Young, uh, covers the league for Forbes played 192 possessions together. The, the foursome Booker, Paul Durant, Ayton. They are plus 28.2 per 100 possessions. They've allowed less than 97 points per and scored 125. It's the best foursome in the league. It's the best fivesome in the league, whoever the fifth guy is. It's the best talent in the league, I think. It's just a matter of, you know, can they beat the collective of what Boston and Milwaukee are, of what Denver is, of what Golden State is. But, I yeah, they don't even need to be at their best, I think, to beat a lot of these teams. Do you have any more, or are we are we, have we wrapped? That's it. I had Wemby, who gets the second best odds for for Wemby, um, because this Spurs Rockets game on Friday night was actually like, or I'm sorry, the Pistons Rockets game was mm-hmm. actually really huge, and Houston won it, which means they lost it, um, and so that was a little subplot. But uh, you know, they've uh, the Pistons are going to get the best odds, and we'll see who gets second between Houston and, and San Antonio. But uh, I saved it for last because I don't think Here. anyone cares. Here's I just did a tankathon sim. Uh, here okay. here's the top, here's here's the top five. You ready for this? It's a little chaotic. Mm-hmm. Portland number one pick. <laughs> Their plan Washington, paid off. Damon Washington staying. Washington second. They don't deserve that. Houston third. Detroit fourth. San Antonio fifth. Charlotte sixth. That's the top six. I sincerely hope for the sake of content that when we hit record on, on lottery night, that that is what happens because we people, can... people would care. Yeah. Um, if Detroit gets the number one pick or if San Antonio gets the number one pick, I feel like people are going to just be like the comment section of ESPN's post of the results <laughs> is just going to be complete hatred and chaos of like all these, you know, 16 year old basketball fans just, just crying out for, for something that they don't feel like Detroit and San Antonio deserve. Did you see the the pull up three put back dunk that he had right before we hit record? I did. I, I was gonna text that to you, and there's something else I was gonna I was gonna text you. Um, but I'll tell you after we're done recording because I, <laughs> I I I, I had my I had got a couple texts about something uh, not related to the NBA that you you will care deeply about and uh, okay. troubling. Can I, I want the just, Spurs to get Wemby. That, that's too. where I'm at. I do too. I want one. They I deserve want like it. They're well yeah. run. It's a, yeah. it's good structure for him. Like I don't think the Spurs are like some sexy team at all, obviously, but I just think it's the best outcome for his career. And when great players come into the league, I don't want them to be toiling away in, in bad situations. So the Tony Parker connection, all that stuff. Give it give me the Spurs. That's where I'm at. Yeah. I agree. Uh Brennan, we're so we're we're finishing this up right before the women's national title game. Just give me your pick. Just we'll we'll see if we're right on Tuesday. I'm picking Iowa. I'm picking Iowa, yeah. I you, okay. you gotta just you gotta ride the wave at a certain point. I, I didn't think she would beat South Carolina and she did, so I'm not gonna pick against her. And again. if we're wrong, congratulations to the to the Bayou Barbie and the entire LSU team for, for winning and whatever insane thing Kim uh Mulkey will be wearing. And saying. <laughs> also saying all right that's gonna be it for the just basketball show for monday april 3rd thanks again to jake stevens and dylan heiser for their production help remember subscribe on your favorite podcast platform of choice if you've not already subscribe and hit that notification bell on the youtube channel follow us on tiktok instagram twitter and your social media platforms of choice i'm chris manning that is brennan clean back at you with another episode on tuesday or wednesday